Trinity Church in downtown Savannah. I'm passionate about following Jesus, loving my family, enjoying all sports involving the ball, and a constant pursuit to find the perfect bottle of bourbon. And I'm Molly, a Methodist from the West Coast, but after moving to Savannah a few years ago, I found a home in Trinity and a friend of Ben's. My greatest joy in life is simply sitting on the front porch with my husband, my crazy dog, and a great bottle of red wine. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Welcome to Faith Revisited Podcast. We are so excited to be bringing you this new episode today. Um, we're going to talk about summertime, summer reading, what books we're talking about, what books we plan to read, and then also any goals we have. Yeah, summer's not a season to be wasted, right? So it's a good time to do some new things, read some new things, and uh, spend some of the downtime being productive. Let's do it. That's right. Okay, do you want to hit first, your first book? Yeah, first book that I am reading this summer, I'm really excited about it. It's called An Unhurried Leader, The Lasting Fruit of Daily Influence. And this book, uh, for me, is good for a number of reasons. One is I'm a type A, and I, I'm always in a hurry. <laughs> yes, and so to true. read a book about leadership that's unhurried is like, okay, reprogram, you know, let's, let's value um, less busyness and less uh, movement so that the, the un an unhurried life often goes hand in hand with an unanxious life life mm -hmm. and so um, and really a content filled yeah life. yeah yeah so so uh, I'm, I'm reading currently right now um, uh, an unhurried leader um, I'm kind of at the beginning of it, but I'm really excited about it because uh, things like chapters about leading from abundance, you know, rather than focusing on what we don't have, focus on what we do have, what God has given us and how do we lead out of that, which is where that contentment comes in. Hmm. Because so long as I'm leading out of a sense of anxiety and scarcity, then I'm always anxious. But if I lead out of abundance, what gifts do I already have? Then I'm content. Then I'm less anxious. So things like that, um, just slowing down in general, um, using influence with others in a way that um, doesn't use people for their utilitarian value, but really seeks to develop relationship and friendship. And then that influence becomes not capital as much as just living out of that relationship. So um, I highly recommend it. So far, I've read the first chapter and a half, but An Unhurried Leader uh, is a great book for those who want to unhurry this summer. 
That's awesome. And I do, we jumped right in. We will link all of these books that we're going to talk about in the show notes and kind of um, give that information to you there. Um, So my first book, well, I want to preface this by saying this whole year, it's been my goal to read more. Like, I think that's, it's kind of also a trendy popular thing. Like people are reading a lot more and sharing on social media, which I think is awesome. I have an Amazon like book wish list that is over 50 books long. Plus, I just got back. I've been gone for three weeks um, traveling for work and visiting family. And my mom gave me a stack of 20 books. Nice. Like, I came home with an entire box full of books to read. So, this is the summer of reading. So, I'm glad this is a very fitting topic. Um, One, uh, my first book that I want to talk about is called Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. It's by James Clear. I just listened to a podcast he did, and this book has been recommended to me so many times on people I follow on social media, um, just how to create those good habits. So my main habit, I just got it in Am- like Amazon Mail yesterday, so I haven't started yet, um, but my main habit that I want to get together, and it's a series of habits, but really get my AM routine nailed down. Um, Waking up with an alarm, doing some type of fitness, um, reading is part of that. Um, I'm building a new business, so that's going to be all part of that morning routine. Um, Also, prayer and meditation, I want to, and journal, that's going to be a huge part. So um, I'm really excited to read that by James Clear, Um, Atomic Habits. All right, book number two for me. I just cracked it open last night and just sped through the first chapter. So I got this, and I'll give you the link to add to this link, which is beyond just the book, is uh, a reading list that Kerry Newhoff, um, who's a great church planter uh, in the Andy Stanley Network, he did like his big book list of recommendations. Um, I love those summer guides. Oh, I yeah. read probably two or three, and that's what added on to my wish yeah, That's list. actually yeah. where I got the, the idea for this episode that we nice. should do one, is just reading Perfect. two or three of them. So he <laughs> recommended this book by Patrick Lencioni. Patrick Lencioni is a leadership guy who, um, coach, guru kind, but he's really well known for his famous books that, that are written like fables. And so Lencioni writes, you know, the five advantages of a team and, um, you know, various other things. But this is one of the few books he does not write as a fable. So it's one of his lesser famous books, but I find it to be really, really good. The Advantage is the name of the book. Why Organizational Health Trumps Everything Else in Business. Wow. Yeah, and so it's really, really good. So I've read through the first chapter, which is the case for organizational health. And what Lencioni realized, he was at a conference with, he didn't name the organization, but it, let's just say it's one of the, like the top 50 organizations in America, long-standing, decades-long, you know, big time. And they got to talking about the, the, the things that make up organizational health um, for that organization. And for for that CEO, it was just a lot of really simple stuff. And Lencioni's... It always is. Yeah, it? it's yeah. just the, the simplest things. And so Lencioni's like, that's so simple. Why aren't your competitors doing this? And he said, honestly, I think it's because they think it's beneath them. Ooh. Organizational health is one of the least sexy things to focus on in yeah. business. We would rather focus on profits or stats or, if you're a church, number of you know butts and seats and offering uh, plate totals yep. and all that kind of stuff. Organizational health is hard to quantify. You know it's there when you feel it, but it's really hard to wrap your, your mind and your hands around. Um, but it is literally the foundation 
for for what will make or break you as an organization. How healthy are you um, in your organizational health? So, Lencioni um, has, and I'm looking at the table of contents. Um, basically, there's a four disciplines model that he says you should you should focus on. You build a strong, cohesive leadership team. You now this is good. The next three um, disciplines: create clarity. Over communicate clarity, reinforce clarity. So all about clarity. It's all about clarity. Huh. So organizational health comes with uh, uh, clarity as the guiding force to say, what are we about? What do we aspire to be? And what do we want others to know about us? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this because from a previous episode with core values and things that we're focusing on, this is like that really elementary stuff that I need to dig into to kind of help our organization grow in health, which will be the sustaining force um, that will guide us for the next 20 years. That's awesome. Yes. I'm really excited about this book. Good. And you're already done with one chapter. Yes. One chapter and one night. uh, (laughs) And if I hadn't been falling asleep, I would have gotten more. It was so good. Yeah. That's awesome. So my next book is really, uh, it's a different way to read books. So I'm focusing more on reading from diverse authors. I want um, women, I want different cultures, I want, I'm trying to focus on reading books of diverse authors. Um, And one way that I've been able to do this is, I don't know if you know on Amazon, there's this thing called Amazon Reads, and they come out with a list at like the first of every month, and there's five or six books that you can get for free on ebook or a $5 hardcover. And it's usually a pre-sale this last month in May. um, And I'll list the books that they listed because I added, I used one of them. So you can only use one of them that month that you get for free. But I added every single other one to my Amazon list because they were all diverse authors. And it was fascinating. And they do a wide range. They do a historical piece, a memoir. They even have like a children's book as a part of it. Um, And then like a fiction. I don't know. They go through different genres, a mystery. So there's five or six different books. It's all a different genre. And this last month, it was divert. Every single one was a different type of author, a diverse author. And so I want to link to all of those books. I read a mystery thriller. I've been trying to get out of my genre comfort zone, and that is it. Um, and it was actually about like a, sh- it was a, obviously a fiction, but it was about pharmaceutical companies and Sri Lankan, like, um, exorcism rituals. It was very, it's weird to think about now that I'm saying that out loud, but it was such a good book. It was a fast read and it was that one of those mystery thriller ones. So, um, my goal for reading is diverse authors. So that's kind of my second note there. And I'll list a couple of the ones that I have my eye on or I have read in the show notes. Um, But there's this wonderful Indian writer that I've found and it's taught me a lot about um, Indian culture. And um, the first book I read was about widows. So widows in the Indian culture and they live in this community in England. Um, And so all these widows trying to figure out what happens with life after their husband passes away. And then There's another one from the same author about these three sisters who travel back to India to try and um, learn their heritage and culture. So that's on my to-do list as well. But that's just an example. Diverse authors. That's my second book. Very nice. Very nice. So um, I've, I've done two leadership books, and every summer I try to read more books that are not vocational uh, vocationally smart. oriented books. Yes. So um, I'm still on the search every summer for uh, we go to the beach for a week. I like to find a 
really quick read fiction book. Yes. And by that, I mean, like, I, I know that there are beautifully written fiction books yeah. that are 400 pages long, <laughs> yeah. that are classics. Uh-huh. I don't want to read that at yeah. I want to read, like, Gone Girl. Absolutely. Like, I want a thriller yeah. that is just going to captivate me, and I can read in two or three days. So, yeah. I'm looking for that. If you know of one, or if a listener knows of a fiction book that's, like, the hot book that everyone's reading, I want to read that this summer, because I haven't found it yet. Comment on our Facebook or Instagram with your book recommendations for Ben, a very quick fiction. And I also want to make a note, this whole year I've been looking at reading differently. I had a really hard time getting back into reading earlier this year. I knew I wanted to. I didn't know how. I listened to a great podcast. Um, The gal's name is Laura Tremaine, and she has a podcast called 10 Things to Tell You. And one of her first episodes was all about reading. And what she said how she got back into reading was she set a timer on her phone for 20 minutes a day. And so she did 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. And that was solely book reading time. And so I've adopted that type of thing. I also do one like nonfiction business or self-development growth in the morning. That's when my brain's going and I really adapt to that. I was reading John Maxwell's 10 Invaluable mm-hmm. Laws of Growth. Um, so that's kind of my morning book read. And then in the evening or afternoon, I do 20 minutes on a fiction or a mystery or another fun read. So that's been a great way. I have two books going at once. Um, but if you have trouble getting into reading, just set a timer, 20 minutes. That's all it takes. And usually I read beyond that and I have more time, but that sets 20 minutes aside a day that you can like just focus on reading. So I really liked her suggestion about that. You only have two books at once going? Well, no, I actually have probably three right now. Um, I probably have three books, but I try and focus like a self-improvement or business in the morning and then more fun stuff in the afternoon. I'm I'm bad about getting multiple books going and then I don't finish them. Yeah. Um, But if you find one that's really good, like stick with it. Well, it's sad when you finish it even like like, you read a book that was so good that you're like, man, what am I going to do? Like, it's so sad. I just finished a Taylor Jenkins read book, um, Daisy Jones and the Six. The Six. Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, but it was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick, which I love every book that Reese Witherspoon has come out with. Also, Oprah's book club is amazing, especially for diverse authors. Um, But I read Daisy Jones in like three or four days, and I just did not want to attend. It was so much fun. Yeah. So in that spirit, the book that I am reading um, slowly this summer because it's so good is a book called uh, The Cost of These Dreams, Sports Stories and Other Serious Business by the author Wright Thompson. Wright Thompson is a Sports Illustrated author, among other places he publishes. He like deep dives into an athlete's story. And so Wright Thompson, and he's been given amazing access to some of the greatest athletes in the world. So like Wright Thompson went and spent two or three days with Michael Jordan. He sat and watched basketball with Michael Jordan while Jordan talked about the game. Like it was just amazing. I saw an interview that Wright Thompson did where he talked about the book on the Dan Patrick Show, which is my favorite sports show that I've watched and listened to on the radio if I can't be near a TV. But Thompson is a phenomenal writer. Like besides the fact he's a sports nerd, he writes like a great Southern fiction writer. Wow. So when he tell when he when he weaves these weaves about these athletes, it's amazing. And he, like for example, Jordan gave him uh, unlimited access, but it's because Wright Thompson is so good that 
basically, if he wants to do a story, he says either I can sit down with you or I'm literally going to call every person you've ever met. <laughs> yeah. And he's done that because Tiger Woods did not give him access. Wow. And I'm in the middle of the Tiger Woods chapter. Uh-huh. And Wright Thompson has gotten his hands on a lot of unnamed people, but everybody in Tiger's life because wow. Tiger didn't give to him. For example, did you know that Tiger Woods wants to be a Navy SEAL or wanted to be a Navy SEAL. No. He was obsessed in the early 2000s with learning, like the whole training regimen. Yeah. His dad was military. Um, he was fascinated with the idea of being a Navy SEAL. Uh, he's huh. a, he's an Army kid, so I mean, he kind of yeah. grew up with a little bit, but um, yeah, Tiger, that's where a lot of his fitness stuff, which ended up being, the, some say experts, bad for his back there for a while, uh-huh. but he got so into fitness because he was into this hardcore training because uh, besides golf, he really wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Wow. Or at least trained to, to yeah. say he could do it if he wanted to do it. Fascinating. So it's, it's just a Amazing. The Jordan chapter is really good. The Tiger chapter um, is really good. Um, he he uh, talks about Urban Meyer, uh, the former coach for Ohio State. Um, but I mean, and he gets into the complexities of these athletes. And here's the funny thing: a lot of these athletes, some of the greatest athletes in the world, are very sad and unfulfilled. Huh. And so he talks about the fact that, you know, it's kind of a running theme that the greater you are, it seems it's never enough. Very few great athletes seem fulfilled in life. I heard in the interview, uh, he said that the one athlete he's ever sat down with that he felt like was truly happy um, is Dale Murphy, the great Atlanta Brave from the 1980s and Uh early 90s. He says Murphy's just the happiest guy ever. Like, he's not in the Hall of Fame. He had a great baseball career, and he is like one of the few exceptions that he is a fulfilled, happy athlete. So, Wright Thompson, The Cost of These Dreams. If you're a sports fan, this is your book to geek out on. It is deep diving into sports nerddom, and it's written by a guy who could write Southern Gothic fiction. That's so neat. And I do want to add on to the, you know, people at that top level feeling unfulfilled and unhappy. I watched a really amazing Robin Williams documentary on HBO, and that it's kind of along the same vein. And we actually have a family friend, Gary Carter, the baseball catcher. Um, he was not, he passed away, but um, he talked about how it was very hard being at the top because what else can you accomplish? You knew Gary Carter? Yeah, he went to high school with my parents. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's a one. He was a wonderful man. His family's amazing. Um, I hate to admit, I hated Gary Carter in the eighties. He was on the Mets, and I'm a Cubs fan. But he was a great man. So that how cool is that? Yeah, but he talked about, and I remember in some conversation, um, he was talking about how with athletes it comes down to money because how else do you prove how good you are other than the stats the common person doesn't you know know all your stats or know you're holding a record for this he said so that's why athletes have to keep negotiating more money and more money is because that's the only way to prove that you're on top and he said it was a very like hard um cycle to be in because he's like i don't need this money but how else can i prove that i'm you know, the one that everyone wants. How so. cool is that? I just learned an interesting fact I about know. your family. You knew that. Gary Carter, yes. the New York Mets catcher. Yes. Um, so my last book, um, and this ties into, I think, goals, but um, I have read about half of it, but we're actually starting a, a type of book club and, you know, uh at the church here, women, your wife is actually leading it. So the book is called Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers. She is um, a biblical historical writer, but fiction. So everything she writes and, um, 
your wife Katie has read many books from her, and this is the first one I've read, but it reads like a historical fiction novel. Um, but they're talking about characters and people that were in the Bible. And she has a lot of like historical accuracy around that time and what it's like. But this book called The Lineage of Grace, there's five different books within it. So there's a few chapters. It's like smaller books within a book. It goes through women in the Bible. So Tamar, tell me if I'm butchering these names, um, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Those are the five books in there. And I've gone through Tamar Rahab, and I'm in Ruth right now. Um, and we're actually, Katie's doing this as a women's book study for um, the women in the church here. And I'm really excited to kind of talk through these things. It reads as a historical fiction, but they are stories from the Bible and things and pieces. And so it's fascinating. I've never read the Bible or any like biblical text where it's, Relatable. You, like, see what these women are struggling with. Um, it's obviously time period specific, um, but it's it's a whole new way to read Bible stories. Yeah, and, and, and to what, what's in biblical scholarship, and we could just go into a whole, like, little nerd time <laughs> of that, but one of the struggles is the, the issues of women and, and how women uh, live, how they were treated, how they were regarded in Scripture is often um, misconstrued or construed only through a male lens because male authors and male critics of through the centuries have been the ones interpreting scriptures. But those are five women who have unique places in the lineage of Jesus. And and many of them come from very complex or different or sometimes even marginalized places. Absolutely. Um, and they and they all kind of live into this story of faith uniquely. So that's really cool. I am loving this book and I love that we have a group of women that are going to get together for a few weeks and talk about these stories and talk about, you know, what these women are going through. And it's like a Bible study light. It's perfect for summer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. So quickly, we have just a little bit more time left. Let's talk about a couple of our um, goals or some some ways that we're being productive this summer. Yes. So like I talked about in my first book, Atomic Habits, I really want to get my morning routine nailed down. Um, I officially am, I'm going to tell my age now, but I'm six months to turning 30. So I really, I'm very excited to turn 30, probably more excited than a lot of people in this position. Um, But I'm ready to get these six months. I'm going to make it count. I have a lot of, um, I'm starting a new business. I'm, you know, really focusing on my current business. Um, we're traveling a lot through the end of the year and I just really want to get that morning routine in a strong place. So that's, you know, one of my big goals. Okay. That's good. That's good. So, uh, for me, one of my goals besides slowing down, uh, I'm taking some time off this summer. I'm in the middle. I know, I know (laughs) I'm in the middle of taking a little time off now actually to practice. Um, but last week I was in Kansas. Uh, that was for work related stuff, but I was out of the office, which was good. Uh, came back for, uh, two or three days. And then, uh, Katie and I went away for a couple of days to the North Carolina mountains. We're back for one day and then we're going to Columbus where our annual conference is being held. So there'll be some work there, but we're trying to extend it to have some family time and things like that. So I'm practicing for taking a full week in July where I'll take two Sundays in a row. Look at you. I know. I know it's crazy. Two Sundays in a row, but we are blessed here. We have, uh, four um, retired Methodist pastors, um, all very capable. And so 
In fact, they wish that I would leave more yeah, so, so they, they can get they can get a little opportunity to preach more. So uh, I can always leave it in great hands here, and I'm real excited to do that. But I'm excited to try to be better at um, modeling a better balance of rest and work because it's hard for me to preach that to you all Mm -hmm. if I'm not living it. That's awesome. And some seasons I'm living it better than others and the last six months or so I've been living it less good. Yeah. So I'm trying to less good. Less less better. (laughs) So I'm trying to trying to be a little bit better and use summer as an opportunity to 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 recharge a little bit for a uh, I was about to say it'll help you recharge and refocus and coming into fall because summer is you Usually slower. Yeah, especially in, in Savannah. The, in church, yes. I mean, it's, it's so, hot. It's hot. It's over yeah. 100 degrees. Yeah. Uh, and, and so this, the town luckily just kind of goes to sleep a little bit for a few weeks. So try to use this to recharge so that we hit the fall and it's a, it's on a good clip. So. Yeah. And then I think, you know, so I don't know how many goals you have for church or if it's kind of preparing for the fall. But what I'm really excited about, um, and thankfully your wife is stepping up to lead this, but this like women book study, um, that's kind of a great goal. for Like that's keeping people connected um, even in the summer. So I'm really excited about that opportunity and how it's here in the summer. It gives us something to be a part of. Well, and I'm excited that that's happening. Um, it is solely independent from me. Uh, she is her own person and her own a leader in her own right. And I did push her quite a bit to get this <laughs> started. And it, I did show her the book and, you know, that's what we talked about. So I will take blame in part of that. No, that's but. great. It's great. <laughs> I mean, she's a leader and wants to grow in her yes. leadership. So this is a way to do that. Um, another thing that I am focusing on this work related uh, this summer is is really kind of going back to sort of that that foundational stuff. So two um, two small group experiences that, that will be ongoing uh, that I'm looking forward to launching in the fall are really going to be our first and second like like onboarding or like you're newer to the church, take this class, but it's next steps in discipleship. And so, you know, going uh, because if you know a little bit of Greek, you can have fun with it. So the first class is the alpha class. <laughs> yeah. Second class is beta. Uh-huh. The first class focuses on um, on us, the pattern is us, uh, you, we. Okay. And so we talk about the church, we talk about you and your unique gifts and graces, and then we talk about how we put the two together so that you can live out your faith journey um, in fruitful ways in and through the life of the church. That's the first class. So everyone who comes to join the church uh, will be encouraged to go through a three-week class, uh, the Alpha class. The second class is kind of the next step beyond that, but it is uh, the Beta class focuses on, um, or will focus on how we interpret Scripture, um, how we... Um, engage the spiritual disciplines. Uh, John Wesley would call them the means of grace, the inward and outward practices we have to grow in our faith. Um, The third week, this is a four-week class, the third week is um, a rule of life, which is kind of a monastic thing, but it kind of goes to your morning routine deal. How do we put the means of grace and how we understand ourselves and the story of Scripture and story of God's love into practice in a daily way? Like, how do we live into yeah. that? And so rule of life is something unique for each person. And they, it doesn't have to be overly regimented, but just I will do these three things or these four things to live out my faith daily. And then the fourth week is sharing your rule of life with everybody um, in the group. So I hope that's going to be exciting. like the second level. We'll launch those in the fall, um, but really kind of focusing on helping people grow in their faith in very intentional ways. 
Awesome. And don't worry, we're not taking any breaks from Faith Revisited. No. We will still publish an episode every other Wednesday. Um, and we've been really enjoying doing this. We hope you're enjoying listening to it. Please leave a review on iTunes. Those are so great, and they help us in all the fun algorithms. Um, and if you have any summer reading tips or goals or books to suggest, why don't you put that on Facebook and or on Instagram, um, whichever one you're on most frequently. We'll have a post when this is released, and you can kind of give your book tips. Sounds good. Hope you have a great summer and uh, have some fun with our suggestions. Thanks for listening.